Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's episode is called Hold Out Hope. Hope for what, you might ask? Well, not for winning the lottery or for finding the man of your dreams or having the house of your dreams or that car that just makes you go crazy. No, I'm talking about a much better hope. A hope that is found only in Christ. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. Look around you. Do you have reason to be singing the song, in the bleak midwinter, in a monotone, very minor tone key, singing, man, this is bleak. Everything around me is, ah, sorrow, bad news, not good. Um, maybe it's a relationship that's gone sour, or your career isn't quite where you wanted it to be, or the political climate, or a diagnosis, or maybe even something deeper has you sort of asking you know, what's the meaning of all this? Where do I find fulfillment? What's the point? Why am I even here? Well, before Jesus was born, the people had 400 years of silence. Spiritual silence. As in, there weren't any new prophets saying, hey, don't worry, things are going to get better. Jesus is coming. He's right around the corner. Hold out hope. Mm -mm. No, we know that there were still faithful people who were still following God and waiting. How do we know? Because Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, there were righteous people, right? Who were following God and walking with him. And yet there was this waiting. There was this longing for wrongs to be righted, for light in a dark world for truth amidst the political and the religious rhetoric. And generation after generation after generation, what did the people get? Silence and more silence. And some of us relate to this because some prayers are answered immediately. As in you pray and a couple minutes later, you see God working or A day or two later, oh man, yes, he did exactly what I asked him to do. And that is amazing. And thank you, Jesus. But so many of our prayers are met with silence. They're not bad prayers. In fact, some of them are really, really good prayers. We're asking for wayward children or or friends that we used to have who have wandered from the truth. We're asking for them to be brought back. Or we're asking God to work in mighty ways on a mission field or in our church, and yet membership is declining and not going up. Why isn't God answering our prayers? Why isn't he answering them the way we want? I have to remind myself so many times that God sees the big picture. And so often, I just see a tiny, tiny Speck. 
I have an hour commute to work right now. And a lot of days on my way, I'm praying. And I just pray that God would use me and let people see Jesus in me. And, um, you know, sometimes, again, those, those prayers are answered within hours. You know, as I'm working, I can see in the conversations I have that people are asking for prayers, whether it's be coworkers or people that I serve. Um, you know, they're asking for prayers or I have a chance to bring up God or to say a way that God has worked in my life or to maybe help someone think in a more spiritual way. But sometimes, there have been times that I really, really, really want someone to turn from the error of the ways, and I'm praying about it, and yet they're so, so far from God, like late years (laughs) from God. And I pray for an opportunity, and then a whole shift goes by, and I have no opportunity to talk to them about God, and I'm thinking, ah, God, I wanted an opportunity. Why didn't you give it to me? And, you know, I was praying the other day, and something occurred to me. We don't plant seeds on cement. I mean, I could. My husband's a gardener. I could go up and down the driveway planting seeds, you know, carrots and green beans and peas. I could plant them, and I could water them. I could tend them. I could pray for them. I could fast for them. I could even get angry that nothing happened to them. But I was kind of silly because plants don't grow on cement. They need soil to take root and to grow. And I realized that I was praying for God to give me the opportunity to speak to this person and and the better prayer is that God would make this person's heart open to hear the word of God. Because I can talk all I want right now, but if I'm talking to a hard heart, there's a good chance it won't matter. So, you know, a lot of times we're not seeing the big picture. And a lot of times we're not realizing the little ways that God is working. The little ways that he's tending things And working behind the scenes. And so we can get really bummed out thinking, oh, God isn't answering my prayers until we realize he maybe is, just in ways that we're not seeing. So I want to give you two things that we can do as we are holding out for hope. Number one, we can choose where we focus. Now, the people in the Old Testament... In those 400 years, they had a choice. They could focus on the silence. And if they did, they might have good reason to complain. Why isn't God talking to us? Why isn't there anything new from God? Why hasn't the Messiah arrived? Where is God? Or they could focus on what he had given them, which was the whole Old Testament. There is so much in there to digest. And there's enough to see God's love, that God had a plan, and that God was concerned for his people. If we think about it, it's been over 2,000 years since the New Testament was written. And God is still at work in our lives. And there's a whole lot of Bible for us to digest. So as you hold out hope, 
for the straying child or the wayward spouse or a community going in the wrong direction or a church that doesn't seem to be going anywhere or that's not growing but seems to be dying. My question to you is where are you focusing? The writer of Hebrews said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And what did Jesus say? He said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That was the sermon text at my grandma's funeral. And since then, I've looked at that passage so many times. I'm not an expert. I'm not going to pretend like I am. But this much I think I kind of know is that back in Jesus' day, people had hand plows or they had a plow that was, you know, drug around along by an oxen or some animal. And um, they would have to kind of pay attention to where they were going. Because if you have your hands on the plow and you're looking around at all that you're missing, so you're looking at the people who aren't in the field and you're thinking, wow, they seem to be having a good time. Or if you're looking backwards over your shoulder to see what you've left behind, my guess is you're not going to plow a very straight line. And so the point is, As we plow forward in God's kingdom, you look straight ahead. You don't worry about what's going on all around you. You don't worry about what is behind you. You don't think about what you're missing out on. You focus on the work. Keep plowing. There's a meme that says, focus on God, not on your problem. Listen to God not your insecurities. Rely on God, not your own strength. You probably remember back in November, Pastor Mike had a sermon series that was called From Grumbling to Grateful. And the last message he gave, he said this little line, and I brought it out in the behind the scenes podcast that I did with him because it just struck me so much. But he just said, you know, go through the alphabet at the end of the night before you go to bed, go through the alphabet Find something for each letter to be grateful for. And so I had started doing that. And then I heard from a listener who took it to the next level and and made a huge list. And I read this list and it honestly changed me because he had found so many things, just little things that we overlook all the time. And it it made me start looking for little things. For instance, one night night on my way home from work, I noticed that my glasses were a little bit cloudy, so I took them off and I quick rubbed them on my shirt to clean them off a little bit. And I put them back on and I was amazed at how, you know, 10 seconds without my glasses on, I realized how hard it was to see. And then I put my glasses on and I went, wow, I am so thankful for glasses. I am so grateful that I am not squinting my whole way home. And as I'm walking around my house, I'm seeing things like, The six panel doors, these beautiful cherry doors that we found on clearance and that we put on the bedroom doors downstairs. And I'm seeing this flooring or the furniture or whatever it is. And, you know, these things are just little mundane things. They're nothing major, but I'm starting to see the world in a totally different way. And I'm noticing things that I never noticed before. And I'm seeing so much. Why? Because my focus has switched. 
because I have learned to be grateful for every little thing. I'm grateful for my break at work. I'm grateful for a car that has heat. About uh, several weeks ago, my uh, son's girlfriend drove home. She goes to college a ways away from us, and she drove home and her heat was out. And she said her feet were just ice cubes when she finally arrived, and my son was able to put some coolant in her car and fix it for her. But, you know, you don't think about those things until they're gone, that you have heat in your car. That's amazing. So where are you focusing? What are you looking at? Because that changes your whole attitude. If you're focusing on your circumstances, you, you'll probably have good reason to be miserable. And my guess is you'll find many reasons to complain. But if you focus on Jesus, even in the trying times, even in the valleys of life, even through the heartaches and the persecutions, through it all, if you focus on Jesus, then you have reason for hope because Jesus overcame. He said, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. That's why we want to focus on Jesus. He can walk on water. Look, there may be water coming in your boat. I get it. Jesus can walk on water and he can calm the storm. So focus on Jesus. Number two, be careful about attaching hope to anything other than God and his plans for your life. Look, the Jews in Jesus' day, they were looking for hope that looked very different than Jesus. They wanted someone to come and defeat the Romans. They wanted their earthly king. They wanted to get out of this devastation that they were in, living underneath Roman rule. And that's not why Jesus came. In the episode, in the account of Nicodemus, Jesus started explaining to this Jewish teacher that the spiritual kingdom was what he was about. It's Christ's rule in our heart. Jesus didn't come to overthrow a political party. Look, you might be holding out hope too. I don't know, for a political hero, for a medical breakthrough, for the financial whatever to come through, you're waiting for if these if these finances just come through, if I make this deal, if I sell this product, if I just get through this whatever. Be careful. Be careful. Your security is not found in that medical procedure. Oh, God might use it. Absolutely, he might use it. Or it might not work. Look, we put so much hope in things. I have never realized it as much as I did this year. I put so much security in our way of life. We live in a safe town, right? We have no reason to be afraid. We don't have super bad crime or all that. That can change. In a heartbeat, you can find security until you, in your job until you come to work one day and there's a notice, notice on the door that says, hey, by the way, we're closed. What? I, I didn't get any advance warning? You can put your security in a 401k, but what if the market collapses? 
You can put it in your marriage until your spouse comes home and says, I don't really want to be married anymore. If we put our security in anything other than God, we are setting ourselves up to fall hard. Yes, God might use things. And what a miracle and what a blessing it is when he uses marriages as a security for our family. That is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But you know what? That doesn't mean that your spouse won't die of cancer or of a heart attack or of something else. And then all of a sudden that security is gone. God may use medical treatments. He may use politicians. He may use a community. He may use police officers to keep a community safe. But listen, that is not our guarantee. God is our security, whether the meds, whether the house, whether the 401k stand or fall. Have you ever seen a small person, a small guy or something who befriends like a football player, this big, brawny person, you know, and they walk around together because the scrawny guy's like, yeah, I can say pretty much anything because this guy's got my back, right? Well, God says to us, I am with you always. And there's this wonderful little meme that explains and says, God will go before you. He'll walk beside you. He'll stand behind you. Look, that's security. He is the almighty, all-powerful God. You walk beside him no matter how small you are, no matter how big your problems are. Wow, you've got a big God. And that is reason to hold out hope. Now, not that everything is going to go honky-dory and that he's going to mend every situation so that you walk on a bed of roses anywhere you go. That's not what that's about. Our hope in God is knowing that he will work all things for our good. So when the worst happens, when you get to work and the door is closed and you find out you no longer have a job, you say, okay, God, Show me where I'm going to work now. Or when the 401k is gone and the market collapses and what you thought was going to be your nest egg for life is suddenly not there, you say, God, I trust in you. Show me what to do now. This is the thing. I have learned over and over and over that I do not know God's exact plans for my life. If I was planning my life, it would be a very straight path on a very smooth road. But God loves to take me on detours. And we climb some pretty rocky hills. And we go into some pretty deep valleys. And we go around some pretty scary turns on some cliffs. And over and over and over, I'm left wondering, God, am I going to make it through this? Am I going to get up this hill? Am I going to get out of this valley? Am I going to fall off this cliff? And over and over and over, God says, I've got you. We're told in Isaiah 49, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. God doesn't write our name 
on his hand. And then once he blesses us, he just goes and washes it off. Like, oh, I blessed that person today. I'm all good. He engraves us, as in we are not leaving. Our walls, our issues are always before him. And that's not me telling you, that's him telling us. That's why we have hope. Because God's not leaving us. We can hold out hope as long as we look at what we focus on and we know where we're putting our security. See, if we get distracted and we focus on all the glitter and the glamour, well, we're probably going to miss out on what God is trying to show us. And then we have good reason to become despondent because, you know, the glamour and the glitz, it all eventually just becomes garbage. But if we focus on him and who he is, and if we put our security in him, knowing he loves us and will work for our good, well, then anything that comes our way, we know he will get us through it. And that's why we have hope. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Hey everyone, thank you to all of you who prayed and supported and reached out to us in 2021. Yep, it was a crazy year, but God is on the throne. So take heart. He was with us in 2020 and again in 2021, and he'll be with us in 2022. And guess what? He already knows how everything turns out. So have a safe and healthy new year, and I look forward to spending time with you again next year.